Well, we have in our first reading uh, a lot of talk about um, the person commits sin and iniquity, he will not live. And there's this contrast between life and death, life and death, life and death. And uh, maybe on the surface, what Ezekiel is talking about is uh, our natural life. But at a deeper level, I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is really uh, talking about uh, the life of the soul. And uh, so we have in our theological tradition something we call uh, mortal sin. And, you know, if you listen to that word mortal, it has to do with death. So mortal sin is sin that uh, extinguishes the life of God, the life of grace, the supernatural life of grace that's in the soul. And uh, it's, um, it can be lost through serious sin, um, but then also it can be gained back through repentance, as we, we learn about here in Ezekiel. And uh, the Ten Commandments, although each one of the commandments admits of um, uh, a venial addition, so to speak, or a venial version of the sin, really properly speaking, each of the Ten Commandments deals with a sin that's of serious or grave importance uh, and that is mortal if committed with full knowledge and uh, full deliberation. And uh, Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, in our Gospel today, he goes through um, the, the Ten Commandments, basically, especially the second uh, half of the Decalogue, the commandments that deal with our relationship with our neighbor. And uh, he gets really tough. He's really serious. He, he's talking about hell here. So the person who commits a mortal sin and dies in that state, their, uh, their um, fate is hell. Of course, they can always repent before they die. Uh, but if they die in that state, having extinguished the life of God, their fate is hell. Christ is very clearly speaking about that. And uh, as always, though, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's getting to the heart of the matter. He always wants to get to the heart of the matter. So he's he's saying it's, it was said of old, you know, from Mount Sinai and all the different prophets and Moses and whatnot, they said, um, you know, those who kill will be liable to judgment. But he says, I say to you, and then he starts getting into behavior, but really he's getting into the condition of the heart. And if uh, there is um, uh, a de- the same kind of passion or desire or internal intention that would actually lead someone externally to do serious damage to another person, uh, that itself, that intention itself, that condition of the heart is a mortal sin. Okay? Um, so it's not, you know, this, I'm not talking about you get mad at your eight-year-old daughter and whatever, you might yank her hair when you're combing her hair or something like that. I mean, you know, this is, this is not grave matter. But if you uh, desire serious harm to another person, even if you don't externally act it out, but if you really do desire serious harm to another person, like, boy, I wish, I wish they, you know, I'd wish she'd divorce him. I wish, uh, I wish their house, I wish they'd get in an accident, you know, I wish their house, I'd list, I wish they'd lose their job, I wish he'd lose his job. You know, that, that kind of serious harm to someone's life, you really do desire that for another person, that's a, that's a mortal sin. Okay, so it's damnable, it will send you to hell. So Jesus is very serious here, uh, in this passage, and it's a time for self-examination. Um, 
And uh, the other thing I think that we see with Christ is, you know, he focuses a lot actually on almost like our human, human beings are more important than God <laughs> in a certain sense. Because he's saying if you're about to present your gift at the altar and you remember your brother's got something against you, whoa, whoa, wait, go and prioritize your relationship with other people before your religious duties, okay? And uh, so there's a certain sense in which you know, we have to prioritize our relationships with one another over uh, even our relationship with God only because we have a tendency sometimes to fall into superficial religiosity uh, whereby, you know, we really are, are, we've got serious problems in our life and we've got serious sins, you know, um, but we can say all the right words, you know, and we can do all the right movements in terms of religious Worship and things like that, you know. So Jesus is saying, you know, make sure that you've got everything, you're, you know, you're reconciled and there's peace, at least forgiveness on the part of you. You know, other people might not want to be reconciled to you. They might hate you. But at least in your heart, you need to be reconciled to others before you come to the altar of God. I heard a funny story recently. It's a true story. Um, a, a priest uh, from Cuba he was ministering in an area, um, I think, of his own country in Cuba that was very kind of very rural. People don't have cars, and it was you know they walk to church, and they're very very simple people. And uh, they heard this this passage was read, and uh, when the priest was done reading it, he looked up and he just saw large portions of the people just walking out of church. And he was, he got really worried. He's like, oh my gosh, did I do something with it? Is there, you know, he starts getting worried that they were offended about something that he did or what's going on. He was really kind of disturbed by this. And he, and someone told him, well, these, these people have some serious problems that they've got to work out with their neighbor and they're taking the gospel literally. So, <laughs> and, and lo and behold, they eventually came back after they had uh, been reconciled with their neighbor. So, you know, they're, they're simple people. We don't have to leave church necessarily, but in our minds and in our hearts, we do have to be, uh, at peace with our neighbor and we have to forgive. So let me just, I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes people will say like, why, why do we, you know, like, I'm not, I don't understand. Why do I have to go to confession or like what's, I don't know. I haven't really sinned anything. I don't know what kind of sins, you know, I haven't murdered anybody. <laughs> you know, a lot of people will have that. It's like, I haven't murdered anybody. Like, so what's the big deal? Like, I don't know if I, why do I need to confess sins or what's the big deal with sin? Come on. I mean, I haven't killed anybody. And, uh, so again, it's, it's focusing on the exterior act, but there's some, there's more subtle violations of the fifth commandment. Uh, that are grave, that are mortal sins, that a lot of people are not aware of, and I think they would probably be surprised uh, to know are, are um, sins that will, will get you thrown in hell. So, for example, here is uh, these, according to our tradition, according to sound theological principles, are mortal sins. Okay, here's an examination of conscience I have. Have I, over a considerable period of time, refused to talk to or acknowledge someone who has wronged me? So if they've wronged me, and over a long, considerable period of time, I've refused to speak with them and to, and to acknowledge them. That's a mortal sin. Don't you think that's pretty, I mean, that's not uncommon, I would say, amongst a lot of people, you know. Um, you know, God has created us so that we would be in communion with each other. 
And so if you refuse communion, if you refuse being sociable, it's, it's a serious matter. <clears throat> Here's another one. When I myself was guilty of doing evil against my neighbor, have I refused in word or in deed to show that I was sorry and that I wish to be forgiven? You see, it's that lack of a desire to be reconciled. That's a mortal sin. Here's another one. When mutual offense was given, now that's mostly what happens. Usually when there's a falling out between people, it's usually one is not completely wrong and the other one's completely innocent. It's usually there's a, it's like a 60-40 or a 70-30 guilt going distribution here, you know. So this one is really relevant then. So when mutual offense was given between myself and another, have I refused to make any advances toward reconciliation unless the other person made them first? How often is that, right? I'm, oh, I'll be okay with that person, but he's got he's to approach me first. He's got to approach me first because we always think the other person's the more guilty one so that they have the obligation to come and be re- and try to you know, make overtures of, of reconciliation first. It's, it's really their job, not mine. So if we have that attitude and you refuse to make the first step over a period of time, you know, a few months or so, that's a mortal sin. So, you know, this is serious, and we need to take seriously our Lord's injunctions here about being reconciled to uh, our neighbor before we uh, offer our gift at the altar. Uh, but this is what the season of Lent is for. So let's be reconciled to one another and to God so that we would be ready and prepared for uh, the wonderful uh, season of Easter.